Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman & Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thanks for joining me. I hope I've been a catalyst to help you change with whatever skill you're trying to develop or grow. And today's show, we, are going to, we will be discussing overcoming adversity with my very special guest, Dave Pelzer. And we will also discuss his book, Too Close to Me, that just came out. Let me tell you a little bit about Dave. As an individual who represents overcoming adversity, Dave has dedicated his life helping others to help themselves. As a former Air Force, Air Force combat air crew member, Dave's job entailed mid-air refueling of the once highly secretive SR-71 Blackbird and the F-117 Stealth Fighter. We will test you all later. While on active duty, Dave was selected as California Volunteer of the Year. Dave has received personal commendations from four U.S. presidents. Dave was honored as one of the ten outstanding young Americans and later was the only American to be honored as the outstanding young person of the world. Dave is also the recipient of the National Jefferson Award, which is considered the Pulitzer Prize for Public Service. Other recipients include Sandra Day O'Connor and Colin Powell. Dave is the author of eight inspirational books. His latest book is Too Close to Me, which we will be discussing today. Dave's books have been on the bestsellers list for well over 13 years combined. A Child Called It alone has been on the New York Times bestseller list for well over six years. Dave is the first author to have four number one international bestsellers and to have four books simultaneously on the New York Times bestseller list. Please help me welcome an, an individual who believes that our only limitation is ourselves. Dave Pelzer, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really my, excited. My pleasure. I, you know, I was never this popular in high school. I've never had a lot of people say, oh, my gosh, you're Dave Pelzer. I'm like, yeah, yes. okay. See, now you get that. Isn't that kind of cool? You know, that, you know it all comes around. You know, there, there's a lot, a lot of ins, a lot of outs. You've got to wait for the moment, and you just make the most of it. And you've got to ride the wave when it's here, right, Dave? Uh, that tsunami, yes, indeed. Yeah, yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> All right, so my, here's my first question. Just I, I know some of the folks listening might not know your personal story and how truly when we talk about adversity, what you've had to come. And through our discussion, um, I, I'd like you to share your personal story initially, but through our discussion, your book really is about resilience and, and overcoming that adversary, ad, adversity. So I, that's what I'd kind of like to focus on. So if you could tell a little bit about your personal story, just in case someone's not famili familiar, that would be an awesome way to start. Well, in, in my case, uh, I was uh, abused uh, from the ages of 4 to 12 years of age. My mother was very sick. Uh, I, I believe my mother was horribly abused, and she was raised in the era that we, you keep things to yourself. You don't talk about things. Things will just have a way of working out, and it's a secret. So for whatever reason, at age four, I was targeted. It's called target child selection. I had two other siblings, and uh, it was very, very minute. Uh, maybe my voice carried too much. Uh, uh, may, maybe she thought I was doing something sinister, but it got to the point where I was isolated from the family. I was uh, kept in a basement. Then, uh, for whatever reason, uh, I had to perform family or slave-like chores, not allowed to be part of the family, and then it, uh, you know, escalated to the point where I was, my arm was burned on a gas stove for like 58 seconds, because she suspected that I might have played on the school grass, even though there's no, you know, no logic to that. Uh, announcing to the family that the boy is no longer a member of the family, and I slept on an army cot in a basement, or not fed for a period of like 10 days, uh, forced to swallow ammonia. I mean, it was just a list of deviant, malicious intentional behavior and i think uh at the end of the day you know dr bill cosby said it perfectly is hurt people hurt people yeah. so what i had to do at a very early age is decide hey i'm in this and uh if she doesn't feed me i have to conjure up a way to take care of this and i would feed myself i would steal food from garbage cans i would steal food from schools i was always thinking always planning if i was attacked i would tighten up parts of my body i was always 
thinking, what can I do? I can't change the exterior environment. But inside, I can always, you know, come up with a plan to come up with a plan. And, and, and really, that's just the art of resilience. You, We see so many stories every day of someone with cancer or someone has been taken advantage of uh, financially or so forth, or, or people just don't have the luck in life, but they just keep on striving to do the best they can. And, and it was it was a valuable lesson. I'm a, in my mid-50s right now and started another career. And, you know, it's the same thing. You just You always go back to that well. That worked for me as a kid, as a teenager in foster care, and then in the military, and then as a business person. You just do what you have to do for the moment. So you you have taught yourself survival, or or it's an instinct. I'm not really sure because it's well, the age it's, of it's, four. It's five. more of of, of of teaching because we all learn as human beings, okay, how to walk, how to talk, how to chew gum. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these things you learn more from stumbling around. Because some people said, well, maybe this resilience factor. Maybe it's in DNA, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. But no, it, to me, I believe, and I'm not a doctor, but I know psychology, you, you do learn that. You learn that behavior. And then some people forget that they survived this, or some people didn't don't understand, oh, my gosh, you did something good. Keep on going with it. Right. So you do feel it's learned throughout. Um, it, I, it, there's got to be a little bit of instinct in it, though, Dave. You know, I, I don't know, because I'm in wonder of, of people that are just phenomenal, you know, and it's never like the Brad or the Angie's or the K. Connie West. I'm in awe of. I went, I went up to this one lady one time. She said, "Madam, how do you do it? You take four buses every day to go to work at a crappy job, and you're still smiling." And she, her attitude was like, "Get out of my way, because I just do what I got to do. I don't think yeah. about the minutia. Yeah. I just think yeah. about what I got to do for now." Or you see these military commandos, Navy SEALs. Uh, uh, doing and another thing is, you know, my mindset is one hour at a time. Then you take that to someone who's in program, someone who's uh, maybe stricken with disease of alcoholism, and I say, okay, how do you not have a drink for 30 years? How? And they say, you know, it's one day at a time. Sometimes it's one hour at a time, and and then maybe it's a minute at a time. And then that same mentality, people fighting, battling cancer. So it's, you have to adopt a certain mindset because the brain will follow the mindset. If you think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be sick, you're going to be sick. Sure. You, you, your your synapses are going to tell you, you know, you're going to be sick, and the same thing with having a good day or a bad day. So I just always had that mentality, okay, I'm going to find a way to feed myself. I'm going to find a way to do this. And then it really clicked, you know, in foster care, when other people are like, oh, boo-hoo-hoo, or, you know, maybe they're experimenting or doing things they shouldn't be doing. My mindset was, okay, if you can do this, you can work 40 hours a week in junior high. You can work 60 to 90 hours a week in high school. Because my mindset was don't be homeless when you're 18. You have to have money. So you have a goal. You're driving for it every day, and sometimes you don't make your goals. But overall, you keep running up that pyramid. And that's, it really, it's, it's, it's always seemed to work for me. I've made a billion mistakes, business and personal but, uh, you know, I think, too, is I've had a pretty good heart, and I try to follow my heart. And at the end of the day, you know, you just you learn. You evolve. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you, everything you just said, uh, two questions. The first one was your goal. You seem to be very um, goal-driven with everything you do when you were a child to, you know, scrape and dig in the garbage cans, whatever it is, for that food. That was your goal for the day, to feed self, right? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's Maslow's theory. You know, Maslow's hierarchy's theory is like you have to learn to spy. And once you do that, then you, you can reach out. Yeah, and go and grow from there. Um, my other thought, you see, I'm 53, Dave, as you, and for some reason <laughs> lately I have a thought and it comes, and I should have written it down, but I was so intrigued with what you were saying and I was listening, and now it's gone. So we're just oh going to bypass it, it, my It will come point. back. It will come oh back. My, it will. I'll, you'll be in the middle of a sentence, and I'll be like, write it down Boy. this time, you know? <laughs> well, remember, man planned, but God laughs. There it is. Yes, yes, that's really <laughs> true. Uh, the, the other question I have, uh, if we could go back to your mom, I know that's that's a, a tough subject, but your grandmother in the book is also, she's the one who ultimately made the phone call to get you out from You the know what was crazy support. is, is yeah. my grandmother lived to be 100. And, crazy, and, and, God bless. Yeah, you know, and, but, you know, I, 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 I don't, because her big thing was like, it, it's amazing, I had these, you know, recognition, these accolades. 
you know, Air Force or, you know, the president yeah, gives you an award or something. Mm-hmm. And, but then I wasn't a commercial success until the book. The first book just finally made it. And the book was printed in 1993, given to my teachers the exact day of the 20th anniversary of my rescue. I mailed uh, the same books to my siblings, my grandmother. My grandmother's response was, well, as long as no one reads it, I'm okay. And I'm like, well, okay, thank you for your permission. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. Or why do you have to work with child abuse children? Why do you work in juvenile hall? I wouldn't do that. Okay, thank you. But my grandmother would always say to me, you know what, David, I'm not saying it happened, and I'm not saying it didn't. And when I hear something like that, I'm going, what are you saying? But it was amazing because... Yeah, she is cuz that but then it's the mindset. It's that mindset that we don't talk about sex or money or church. We don't talk about politics or abuse. We do not talk about cancer. And if we don't talk about it, maybe we'll go away. Attitude. Yes, yes. And yes, it's sad because it was my grandma that called the uh, protective services at least a year year and a half before I was rescued. And I'm going, "Graham, how can you do that if you didn't know and you obviously knew cuz you would visit, you would visit?" And my siblings would be playing or they'd be inside watching TV. And she would open a door, and I remember she sneered down, and she would always say something effective, that's the sorriest child I have ever seen, and then slam the door as if, oh, my God, that, that smell is too bad. That's too much for me. I can't bear uh. to look at that thing at the basement. Uh. So, and, but that's kind of normal because if you recognize something, that means you may have to pull over, get out of your car, and start CPR in your nice Sunday best. So that's yeah. why a lot of people just like to mentally keep on driving by. Yeah, yeah, isn't that? But sad? it's sad because what makes me upset now is 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 I'm 53. I have 10 fingers and 10 toes. I got a pretty good heart. I got a, I've, I've been blessed with a pretty quick good mind, and yet I know how lucky I am, Con, because I know I should be in debt. I should be dead. I should be in jail. I should be a leader of ISIS for goodness sakes. I mean, with all that happened to me and against me, but yet I was blessed. And at my age, you know, it's just and whatever whatever blessings I've been given. I mean, I look at the bio, or I hear you read. I'm going, my gosh, really? Oh my, oh my gosh, that's adventurous. That <laughs> well, it's not. I mean, I, it's weird because you don't look at yourself like me, but it's you're going, true. my God, what an adventurous life. And that's what I try to tell people when I do my speaking. It's like, you know, you're having a bad day today, but that doesn't have to rule tomorrow. You know, you right. still can, if you can live an adventurous life, no matter what happened to you or against you, that is the blessing. It's true. Every day is a new gift, right? Isn't that what they say? It's the present. Yeah, That's why every day is a new opportunity. Every day. Yeah, it, it's true. It's funny, when I do uh, training and, you know, we talk about, you know, when I do my sales or service training, whatever it is with a client, and I'm in front of their people, the employees, and oftentimes, you know, they all have some kind of gripe about their company and whatever. And you know what? There's no utopia. It is what it is, right? That's the bar- barrier. That's the obstacle. Let's figure out how to get over it. But I always say you have two choices in the morning. You can wake up and say, I'm going to have a good day, or you can wake up and say, yep, I'm going to have another miserable day. And here's the thing. You know how when you even say, hey, I'm going to have a good day and I always use this example and they laugh in class but it's true you say I'm gonna have a good day and you get up you get changed and you come out to make the coffee the coffee pot explodes you have your suit on you have to go back and change now you're late now you get in the car and it's raining and you get in, and there's all traffic and especially in Jersey we know the traffic and you know and then you're head of a meeting and you have to so you you chose to start your day in a good frame of mind and yet you know, things beyond our control go wrong and happen. How you respond to those events yeah. truly decide the outcome of the day. But now my point with, with the class all the time is, can you imagine if you started saying, yeah, I'm going to have a crappy day today. Can you imagine how that spirals down and down and down? And, and then the collateral damage to, to yeah. yourself, your family, your coworkers, yeah. your own health, your mental being. Terrible. I mean, I, I, I whine more than anybody you know, and I complain and I purge, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, let's collect ourselves. And you have to kind of look at where are you at now? Where were you at last week, last year, five years ago? Where do you intend to be a year from now, a day from now? You know, and I think we have to learn to celebrate coffee time, you know, yeah. wine time, dinner time, alone time, bathroom time, when you lock yes. the doors and the kids are there. You know, you have to like have five, ten little me moments just to kind of get you by. It's true. Those mental, those mental breaks from everything um, to, to regroup. Let's, let's take a real brief break, and then we'll come back. And I really am curious 
with everything that went on, how did you decide to write? That's going to be my next question, but we'll take a real quick break first, okay? Okay. Okay. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back with Dave Pelzer, and we are discussing his life and how um, he looked adversity in the, in the face and said, you know what? I'm not going to succumb. I'm stronger than this. Um, And I give you a lot of credit for your whole life, and I highly recommend the book um, that we will talk about throughout. Uh, Too Close to Me just came out, and we have a special surprise, or I have a special surprise at the end. Um, But my next question, Dave, is with everything from age 4 to 12, when you you ultimately went into, um, you know, child services and, and foster care, which you were blessed in the book also, you were very blessed with some very kind foster people with, who had children who kind of were your foster siblings almost. Yeah, it's, it, it, unfortunately, we live in this, this age that everything has to be gratuitous, everything, you know, and, and, and I, for years I've been fighting, like, okay, Dave, social workers are nothing but Nazis and pumps, and they kidnap America's kids. I'm going, yes, they have to make their quota, please. Foster parents do it for the money. Really? I've never seen a foster parent with a car that's at least 12 years old. But I was, I mean, blessed. These people open up their hearts, their mind. They have a career doing something no one even wants to look at, in a sense, let alone deal with. And I I was doing a show with, uh, I think it was with Oprah Winfrey, and she was very gracious. And she says, oh, my goodness, you know, you're not on my book club, but you've done well with books, or you've got these awards. Oh, my God. And she says, your parents must be so proud of you. And I looked at her in the eye and said, ooh. And I said, well, I'm sure they were in their own way. But then she said, well, how did you do that? And I said, well, you know, it was that love and support. Because if, if a bad thing, there's a thing in psychology, if there's one negative that's in your life, it's like you need 73 positives just to kind of break even. So I just had that love and support of, of social services and foster care. And I did have a strong mind of what I kind of wanted to do. I wanted to be a firefighter like my father because I was kind of looking for that approval or that sense of belonging, you know, that that, that camaraderie in a sense. But uh, I I was very blessed, and what I did is I was in the armed forces flying, and uh, I slowly got involved in abuse and prevention. You know, it was a very slow step for me because my son was not even a year old. I was a counselor in foster uh, for foster kids and then worked in juvenile halls, and I wanted to write a thank you letter to my teachers for the 20th anniversary. And that letter eventually became a small book, you know, cool. and that, that was the, the genesis, per se, of A Child Called It. And like I said before, I was very proud to give the, first, the exact first copy to Mr. Ziegler. The second copy went all the way down the line to my teachers, the principal, and the school nurse. Because cool. to me, it's about a service. It's about honor. And, and isn't that funny? The catalyst truly was a letter, and that was your... Um I guess your heartfelt memories. Oh yeah, because right and and, and I and, and what I did, the teachers didn't know at the time, but I would interview each of them to to uh, you know to make sure their storyline was okay, or and then you know and they would always say at the back end of the interview, you know, they said, Dave, we should have done more. We knew what was going on, but there weren't any laws to protect children or yeah. us trying to protect you. This was yeah. the dark ages, and my mother was so sinister. You know, she would threaten that she's going to sue the school district, and she was head of the PTA at the time. And unfortunately, these people who were very deviant, you know, they were very controlling and very threatening in a sense. So they, they, my teachers, if it wasn't for them, and I'll say this, I would not be here today. There is no doubt, because I interviewed my mom before she passed, 
And oh, she you basically did? confessed to me that she was planning on killing it the summer of 1973, and I was rescued in March of 73. And she said, David, the only problem I had was where to hide its body, David, because they think in different terms. They disconnect mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally from their children, and they have to label them something else so they don't have a psychological trauma, a meltdown in a sense. And things were so bad. Once my father left in January of 73, it's almost like you're chasing your high, you know, that sense of satisfaction. We do it to drinking, drugs, sex, money, gambling, whatever, and we have to do ten times more just to get that same, same little ha moment. And my mom was running out. She was running out, and her excuses were running out too, and everybody knew. My grandmother, the neighbors, my siblings knew this was not just David being bad. This was sinister stuff. Now, did you find that the abuse from your mom after your dad left, she threw it? Did she throw him out? I, I... What it was to, and you know, it's weird. Um, I learned so much when I, when I write a, a story. It, I have an idea what I want to do, but it graduates to different levels. And when I wrote mm-hmm. too close to me, I wanted to have like a little nod to my father, you know, the father to the son thing about me being a firefighter, my dad being a firefighter. And I got to, I met this beautiful man named Captain Hondo in San Francisco yes. at my father's fire station. My father actually taught him when, when Hondo was a probie. Right, and now this cool? guy's a captain, and I'm doing ride-alongs with him. And we, we pulled, we were in the engine, and we said, oh, we got to see Al. Let's go see our friend Al. Dave, Al used to work with your dad. And this gentleman's retired, and his wife was there, and they're in tears telling me that they would take in my father, give him a meal, telling me how my mom just kicked him out, telling me how my mom would honk the horn in the back alley, and my father had to stand out there. My mother wouldn't stop and hand her the entire check. My father was homeless. He had nothing, not a penny, but he was a very gentle person, not a gentleman, but so gentle. And I think my mom, by the time this thing boiled over, there was nothing he could have done. Yeah. You know, and she he was just broken. Him. Yeah, and and did you find that once he was removed from the house, that he no longer came home, did your abuse worsen? Oh yes, yes, it, exponentially, of I would think, right? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 weird because it's it's a very intimate relationship, and it takes so much energy for perpetrators to think, okay, I can do this because the boys are gone. I can do this. I can do, and you have to set things up, in a sense. Or at, at the point, my mom would just physically abuse me in front of my brothers, and they'd be watching TV and like, okay, better you than me. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of it's, it's like life in the food chain. And I've read reports about other abuse cases, even about the Holocaust victims, in a sense. And there's a certain mindset. It's a slow burn. It's a slow, slow roll. And, and my mom, there's no doubt in my mind she would have killed me. She would have just snapped. She yeah. would have just snapped. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's sad. Because at one point, I'll never forget, uh, 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 after my father left, uh, I was uh, in the basement stairs. I had to run upstairs. My mom's choking me. My, my heel is over this edge of the stairs, and I can fall over. I remember she was just choking me, and I thought, if you're going to do it, just do it. Because I'm going to go to heaven, and you're going to be here in hell. So whatever, yeah. man. And that's yeah, really – Yeah, it's sad because psychologically I wasn't sleeping. I was oh. too scared. I wasn't eating. I mean, I was slowly dying. Physically and spiritually and emotionally, it was. It's. It's. And again, I have to say this with love in my heart. I'm actually more terrified now than I was in my 20s. You know, because in your 20s, you're always running. You're always running to a goal. You're getting things done. You're working your career. You're working on your body. Me, me, me. That narcissistic age. Yeah. And then when you have a kid, your life just stops. It's oh my God, children, children, children. Protect, serve, and that whole thing. And 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 now sure. that I've had a few friends pass away. You know, and I'm getting older, and I see people as a firefighter not in their best of days. I, again, I just keep saying how blessed I am. So why, that's interesting that you're more afraid, and, and I'll use your word, or you, you feel more fear now than you did in your 20s. In what regard, though? Just Because, because, of, because of I know, I mean, part of it is that sense of appreciation and maturity. Mm-hmm. You know, I have more exposure to death. I see... Mm-hmm. So many people that I call the walking dead that, that I'm thinking, my gosh, you've got a full life in front of you and you're tossing it away. My goodness, yeah. if I had 10 extra years, I'd tell you what I'd do with that. Sure, sure. You know, I mean, it's, I, I always joke that I wish I was Superman. 
yeah. because Superman on the outside is clunky and he's slow and he just ain't the best looking guy in the world, but inside he has superpowers. He knows. He's from an alien from another planet. He knows what's going on, but Superman's so cool. He flies so fast. He can fly you know, around the earth and make it go backwards. Yeah. If I was Superman, <laughs> I, I, would, I would give George Bush five months, say, here's 9-11. Here's the tapes. Here's, here's Al-Qaeda. Here's where they're at. And let's yeah. pick out those Madoff guys, too. And let's get all the bad guys. Let's yeah. take care of this. But, of course, yeah. that's fantasy. But I wish I was friends in real life with someone like John Travolta yes. and his wife, Kelly, and say, John, you've got 120 seconds. Right now, go save your son, Jet. Yeah. And when I say it like that and I kind of pause and people go, oh, my God, yeah, 120 seconds to save your dying son. Yes. So when people talk about, well, I've been abused 10, uh, 50 years ago for 10 minutes, what do I do? I'm going, dude, you've wasted 50 years? Worrying about that. <sighs> yeah, that's, that's the it's, sad part. And I only, per se, qualify my snarkiness or my story. It's not about me, but what can we learn from these different things? That's all. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting. I, I took an excerpt from your book, or a little little piece of it, if if I can share with everyone. And um, and then I'd like, I'd really like to talk about the book, too close to me. And it was for anyone listening. Um, it was an a, a easy read. You really do write beautifully, um, Dave. It's very real. It's you know normal language. You know, there's no uh, big words that you have to keep running <laughs> to the dictionary um, to look up. You know, you know what I'm saying. There's yeah. I'm, I'm semi-obtuse. <laughs> yes, and I'll, I'll, I'll just make you giggle. Like most women, you know, when that book came out, The Fifty Shades, you know, yeah. it was all the rage in the summer. Oh, God. Worth, yeah, Please. I know. I, I succumbed to it, I have to admit. But anyway, <laughs> I downloaded it because I didn't want anybody to know I was reading it. But I downloaded it onto my iPad. Now, again, raised a Catholic by two Italian parents, one, you know, straight from Italy, very, very, uh, you know, Catholic grammar school. You, you could imagine. Yeah. So all I have on the iPad, though, you can hit a word and it defines it for you. Oh, well, cool. when I was reading that book, I was hitting define a lot. <laughs> Just too funny. So I so you don't even need Webster's Dictionary anymore like we used to do when we were no. kids. Oh, so the excerpt here is, it was actually your first conversation with Martha Donahoe. Am I saying her name right or is it Donahue? Uh, Donahoe. Donahoe, okay. Yeah. And you were discussing the editing of the book and in um, uh, the child, it, your pub, the version, I think, was it was the child called It, that you were on the phone with her and, and doing the editing. And here's what you say to her. Um, here's the thing, uh, here's the thing, the book, this book, it's not about abuse. Then you continue. The abuse, it's only the backstory. It's really about this kid. No matter what happens, no matter how gut-wrenching or disgusting, this kid will somehow find a way to pull through. And then you say, he, he's, he's never, he never quits. It's about resilience. It's about achieving that sense of how we look at our own lives, how we can all face things that make us better, stronger, and all the more appreciative. And then you continue, I don't like doing anything unless I can give it my best at the end of the conversation. And you get her to give you a lot of time <laughs> to re-edit the book from cover to cover. But that was the start, right, of you getting her buy-in um, to that. So the book, I think, too close to me, I did not, yes, you, you give the backstory about the abuse and, and all of that for anyone who just picked up this book and, and didn't read, um, you know, the, A Child Called It. But it, it, for me, it was truly, as I'm reading, thinking remarkable, remarkable, remarkable. Well, it, what, things, it, it's really weird because my character, per se, in, and I always speak in third person because, you know, I, I I I try to I have to there has to be some form of distance. There's got to be some layer I there. I imagine because I have made so many millions and billions of mistakes. You know, but then I'm I I I don't I have no pride or ego to be self-defacing at the same time. Because what I'm trying to say is, don't try this. This isn't going to work. You know, learn from my mistakes to to so you don't have to grapple or waste so much energy or time involved. You know, it's 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 just again, the life is a learning process, and publishing is it's you know it's two steps below Hollywood. It's one step below and being a rock star. I mean, it's just amazing. <laughs> and I and the joke is, I don't believe uh, I'm a good writer. I just finished the the book thief. I'm going, oh my god, 
gosh, I'm just now reading uh, Girl Gone. I'm going, oh, my gosh, I can never, never capture words like a Hemingway or a Steinbeck. I used sure. to read so much as a kid in the basement. I tricked my mom. She would time her abuse with the amount of homework I brought. So I'd say, oh, yeah, I'm stupid, I'm dumb, like you say, so I got extra homework. And I would read all these adventure books. And I thought, gosh, wouldn't it be nice to be a writer or to live the experience? And yet it takes me probably six to eight hours for one single paragraph. Too Close to Me was a a nine-and-a-half-year project. The first version uh, that I gave Lori, my agent in New York, was 178,000 words. Wow. And and everybody's saying, Dave, 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 I, I, you're like Jim Cameron. we got to trim some fat here, buddy. I'm going, no, no. And we trimmed it down to 60,000 words with the version you have. Wow. But yeah. see, it, it's, it, the, the art or the process of writing um, is not an easy one. No. But I think, like you said, you cut it down from 178,000 to 60,000. Um you had so much to say, and it was so personal. And maybe that's why, I, it, when I say an easy read, um, it, oh, it, yeah. you, I couldn't put it down. I couldn't put oh, it yeah. down. Oh, yeah, and it's, what I like it, because I, I really, I mean, I, every, when you have kids, there's no favorite kid. I mean, you're all, they oh, all have no. different personalities. And if I, as a writer, and when I teach writing or, or I go on the writer's stage, I say the worst book I ever wrote was a child called It. That's the worst book because the grammar is horrible. It's uh, it's it's very there's not one word in child called it over three syllables and and and, and I explained why because an eight year old boy doesn't think that way the of book's course. written psychologically it's very visual it's graphic it's fast it's 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 amazing I thought the best book I ever wrote after that was the privilege of youth which was a 1970s coming of age timepiece that's all it was but if I have to say right now as a writer too close to me is just dead. On. It talks about middle-aged relationships, yes. middle-aged business relationships. What are you doing now that you keep doing, not even understanding why you're making it or not making it? Absolutely. So we take the character in different situations. We put them in World War Z, <laughs> psychologically, and let's see what happens to Mr. Pelzer. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess it was real for me, and, and that's why, you know, not being yeah. able to put it down. Because everybody who's read, like, they said, oh, I've done that, or my sister has done that, or my sister's in a relationship, or oh, my gosh, I need to look at myself just a little bit differently. Yeah. It I was, think. It, yes, you can relate it to self and say, oh, he had a good idea there. Or yes, uh, the other thing, too, and then I, I have to do a real quick break, but the other thing, too, for me was your gut that you were like, uh-oh, there's that feeling again. Yeah, but then the you one. don't activate on it. Yeah. You know, when, yes. when you're in a relationship, think, business, or yes. personal, you're going, oh, there's something here. But I kept, that's the one thing we'll say before the break was, I made so many mistakes by not raising my hand, by not following through with hard questions to get hard answers. And a lot of that had to do how I was raised. Yes, well, it was your own... Um Pattern. And yeah, 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 pattern. It was a, it, that's really true. It's a pattern, right? That we, and we, I call it the record player. You play it over mm-hmm. and over and over, and you don't know how to get out of it, you know? You it's don't just, know how to skip to the next track. You don't know how to skip to the next track. All the kids are going, what the heck are they talking about a record What's player? What's an LP? I can't even spell that. <laughs> Let's, I just want to share with everyone listening. Um, I just want to pause here and ask everyone out there, are you inspired by my guests and by our conversation today? I know I certainly am. Are you seeking change in your personal and or professional life and not sure what questions to ask, what outcomes, expectations you should have? Send me your stories, comments, and thoughts. I really, really value it. And going forward, um, I want to continue to have intriguing guests and inspiring guests um, to teach so that we all can grow. Email me at Connie at WhitmanAssos.com. I really do want to help. Each week, I I hope that you find inspiration in all the topics I discuss, and hopefully that you keep learning or not only learning the topic, but learning a different approach to life or approaching things from a different perspective. Um, Like we're talking today, reading the book, there was so much insight from Dave's history and Dave's story that I was like, oh, as a business owner, I should do that. Or, God, I, I know what he's talking about, you know, with that gut feeling and all these things. So at the core, I always hope the information 
is a start point for you to learn, identify the change that's needed maybe, and hopefully my guests and I provide some framework um, to begin on the path of change and, of course, the implementation. Wanting to do something that's awesome, but you have to pull the trigger. You have to move forward. You have to do some kind of implementation. Um, I also hope that my ideas or my guests' ideas challenge your comfort zone because really, really, that's when we start to grow is when we start to challenge our comfort zone and start to look at things um, that maybe are uncomfortable, but you try to take that baby step forward. Changing something, no matter the perspective you're coming from, at least it's that start. If you feel stuck, you don't know how to move forward and think that you may need help to understand or to clarify what that change is um, to bring you or your company to the next level. Really, I, I truly mean it that I'm here to help and, and chat with you and figure out what that next step is, um, and let's find the answers together to get the results that you need. And at the end of the day, for me, that I think we all deserve, uh, changing your company, you, and challenging um, your comfort zone, that's, that, again, is, I think, where we sustain growth. Please call me at 732-888-1420. That's my direct line. Or go to my website, which please use as a resource. I have so much information and blogs and all sorts of things on there. So go to www.whitmanassos.com or, of course, email me directly at Connie at WhitmanAssos.com. Dot com. And at the end, I'm going to give you all of Dave's contact information if you'd love to have him on um, for your company or whatever to be a speaker, um, etc. Again, great resource, um, and I'll share all that information at the end. Um, so, Dave, let, I want to go back to um, the conversation about the book, Too Close to Me. I think every business person should absolutely um, read it because you really do give some valuable insight. Well, and it's weird because um, for years, like you, you know, I've, I've done either workshops or college or writing and stuff. And, mm -hmm. and I remember attending this uh, conference, and it was kind of a blowhard conference. It was like a, how to become a number one New York Times bestselling author. Oh, my gosh. And I asked the guy who was a friend, I say, uh, how many guys have been number one? None. How many years have been doing it? 20. Okay. And oh how many made New York Times? None. So you're basically, yes, I'm going, okay, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to tell them the truth about publishing, how it's out of one in a million, one in a billion, how what not to do. I mean, I've allowed myself to, I've been embezzled by my own agent. Yes. Uh, 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 the first book was printed, not published. I had to buy myself out of a contract that I shouldn't have to do. And I yes. signed a, a net figure contract for, for a couple of my books. I mean, it's just, and it's not the money thing, but it's the violation you know, and the control, and it's running up a pyramid is hard. Now imagine doing it on one leg blind yes. when people are shooting at you, in yes. a sense. And, it, and it's the oldest thing in the world, and I must say this slowly. It's never personal. It's only business. Yeah. And if a so, if, if, if person can accept that, they can look at it a little bit differently, in a sense. Because once you make it, you know, then everybody's after you. Everybody wants a piece of you. You know, you can't do enough. I mean, I, again, I was working 18, 16 hours a day because of my guilt or because of the, uh, uh, you know, the stigma of abuse and all the things that goes with it with agencies or people who have issues. I just couldn't do enough because when you make it, you really have to have a plan before you make it so you can start activating it rather than doing it on the fly because then you get in a lot of trouble. Why do you think, and, and it, that's one of my questions, you know, throughout the book you speak about how many people had taken advantage of you, um, women when you were in the Air Force, the, the one young lady to get her boyfriend jealous and used you, and then in business, you, I, I think part Josh, of it is I, I have to look at this mathematically. And I remember saying that to a kid. I was doing something in high school, and, and, and this one kid saying, you know, I hate my mom, I hate my dad, I hate my grandparents, I hate Uncle, Uncle, Uncle uh, Auntie Connie, I hate my teachers, I hate everyone. And, and he's like puffing and puffing, going, dude, you're the common denominator. Yes. And I, when I work with Lay, I say, oh, my God, I keep taking the wrong guys, and they take advantage of me, and da-da-da-da-da-da. What is it? What is it? I'm going, honey, it's, it's, it's you. Yes. The same thing right. with me. I mean, I've allowed myself, and part of that, too, and this is very deep, and I have to, again, slow down, it's, it's like, I remember one time I went to a bar. I was young and I went to a bar. And I didn't go to a nice bar. I went to the low-end bar. And I remember looking at some of these girls who were just, you know, oh, my goodness, no teeth, smelly and stuff like that. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, maybe I'm good enough for someone like that. 
it. Wow. Because, you know, I always worked the wrong, I always worked the harder jobs. I always had to prove myself below the blood. There was that Brad Pitt movie. This is everybody above us. He raises his hand above his head. This is us. He's on his knees. And we're 50,000 feet below that. I'm going, I can relate. Yes. Because I've always been raised that I'm nobody, I'm nothing. I've always had to prove myself and run and jump and do everything just to be low, low, low. So in business, I allowed okay. things to kind of happen. I didn't have the strength to raise my hand or question, or I thought, oh, my God, if I ask a question, maybe they won't publish my book. Maybe they won't do any PR work. Maybe they won't like me. Oh, my gosh. Maybe in relationships, if I, if, and you kind of have a tendency to let that train run down the track, and then you try to stop it, you're going, dude, this is a train. This is a train. You can't just stop it. Yeah, so it has to do with self-esteem. Player. Yeah, yeah, totally. And your record player kept playing and playing, and literally, I, you it just couldn't. kept going faster and yeah, faster and yeah, faster. Yeah, you know. And, and but and I have to, I have to take some responsibility for that. It's you what know? is it? The, 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 there's a psychological term. I think it's the self-looking glass, right? Isn't that where you yeah. look in the mirror? What you see becomes, and that's yeah. almost what how you viewed yourself is what you projected to others and yeah, you and, allowed and they them. The, the same thing. They say, gosh, you're a great guy and you do pretty good yeah. work and, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty good at your game. But still, I'm going to take advantage of it because I can. Yes, I'm that's like, right. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, George. Okay, and you allowed it. How, this is another question I had as I, as I was reading. You, the, the, the abuse, again, from, you know, people just embezzling from you, the, the one publisher who just ripped you off like ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah. that was some, <laughs> some ignorance. Well, you didn't know any better, right? But then you kind well, it's, of it's thought again. Well, it's hard because especially in, when, you're, when you're trying to get into the masses, I mean, we hear it all the time. I mean, the, the, we used to call it the catching, uh, casting couch in Hollywood yes. or in the music business. And the publishing business is kind of like that. I mean, it's very – it's impossible to get into. It really is. And then to, to actually get published and then to make the list, it's, it's, it's you know, one in a hundred or one in a million. Yeah. It's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then once it was weird because at one point we had one of my publishers, I was working with the editor, uh, Marsha, and she called me up, and she was so frank. She said, oh, my God. And she, and she said just like this, Dave, we're in the meeting talking about your book that we're going to publish. One lady said, I don't know Dave Pelzer. I have never read his books. I don't know anything about his accolades, but I know he's a liar. And then this, the tide is shifted. Oh, my gosh, what if Dave's lying? What if she's lying? I'm going, slow down. She just confessed. She doesn't know me. She's never read it. She doesn't know my teachers that. that you've interviewed. But yet how that can shift. But once that book made it, that lady called up, oh, my gosh, David, I have a sick niece, and you need to come over and fly into Florida and hold her hand and do your Robin Williams bit, and you need to sign a book, and you need to do – I mean, they're the first ones that want to cow down to you and be your best, best. I was behind you all the way, and we yeah, see that in relationships. Yeah. We see that particularly, you know. I mean, I thought that was great when uh, Ben Affleck won the, uh, the Oscar for Argo. Yeah. When he won the Oscar and it was produced by himself and George Clooney, and he said in one of the after interviews, he says, so many people were against this film. And I've got the Oscar for 10 minutes, and they're now my best friends. It's always like that. So you have to have a plan. You have to have boundaries. At the same time, you can't take it personal. Because when we take things personally into our heart that we hold in our heart, it's really, really hard to disseminate, to let yeah. it go and to move forward. Yeah, because it hurts. It, it hurts. Inside, it hurts too you know? much. It is personal. Yeah, you make it too personal. Um, my question too was with all of that, how come you never, how, or how did you control yourself so that oh. you know one? You know what I'm asking, right? One, yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, I just uh, and that the same publisher, another story. Uh, Marcia used to work for the publisher, and then she worked with me, and, and we yeah. had a, you know, a little romance thing. It wasn't you know, tawdry or anything like that, and it was very, you know, we had very defined boundaries. And I remember she got on the phone to call the president of this publisher and says, oh, my gosh, I, we got David, me, myself, on Montel Williams. Oh, my God. And during the, the whole show on Dave. And she's so happy after climbing Mount Everest that we finally got a break. Yeah, right. And the first thing the publisher said was, well, why didn't you land us Oprah? We want yeah. Oprah. You should get us Oprah. And the guy was beating her up on the phone for 30 minutes. And I'm looking at Mario and I'm going, okay, you've got some issues here. You're allowing this man to beat you up, hung up the phone. And then I called him and said, Mr. President, he's the president. I said, Mr. President, I just want you to know you made a 23-year-old woman cry. What does, that's okay. It doesn't bother me. I say, sir, shut up. You're making a young woman cry. Apologize now. 
that's okay, I'm too busy. So you cannot convince people, you know, that of their thing. You have to just, I mean, they will never, they will never apologize, whether it's a perpetrator, pedophile, or some people, again, who rip you off. It's their mindset. Madoff to this day is like, well, I could have embezzled you people more. People under foreclosure. I bought a house last year. The guy raped all the furniture, all the fixtures, the plumbing, everything. I said, sir, I think you might have done something a little hinky. His response was, Mr. Pelzer, I could have poured concrete down the sinks. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. Smith. Bless you. Doesn't that blow your mind? And to me, that's, it's, it's, I have a different mindset. Excuses. You have a yeah. different mindset on, on aptitude and, and work ethic and manners. A lot of people know. No, you can't even, if, if I tried to talk to a Kardashian, I'd have to just shoot myself. I know. <laughs> because you're like, please, please, this world does not revolve around you. Please understand, yeah. there are 7 billion people on the planet, and they've got some serious issues. Kimmy, Carrie, Wary, Terry. Yes. But it's this, well, what I'm trying to convey is, you have to have your own heart, hopefully have a plan, follow up with the plan, but understand it's going to be World War Z. People are going to come yeah. after you because they can yeah, it's it's just tragic. I I was interviewed by a company um, a couple of weeks ago, and the last question, you know, we went. They had several questions about the business and what have you. And then the last question was, do you have anything else that you kind of just like to share off the cuff? And you know what popped into my head? I said, yeah, I have one more thing to say. I think if everybody could just stop being angry all the time, and we just <laughs> started to respect each other. I don't have to love you. You don't have to love me. But if we could just have a level of respect as human to human and everybody kind of behaves from that rule and we park the anger, you know, just every once yeah. in a while, I think maybe we'd have a little less war. We might we be have... more productive in our endeavors. Yeah. And the, the, the thing that drove me crazy with, and just the example, let's say, of the book is, you know, I was speaking I was doing a lot of volunteer work for the military. Whenever I go into an area, I would visit a juvenile hall or a military base. Or, I mean, I, I'm, I'm like a senator. I'm always boom, boom, boom. Because of who I am, what I do, I'm always trying to help out. And in the middle of that, fighting, fighting with a publisher, fighting. like, uh, And I would say, hey, you guys are in the self-help business, but you're not very helpful, and you guys are yeah. very toxic. Can't you just – and they don't see it that way. This, this, it's normal. It's kind of like swamp people, Kardashians. This is normal behavior for them and you have to just kind of kind of cut your losses and say okay man and that's what i slowly did as i ran i worked my own program which and which eventually got interviews or notoriety because if you're out there campaigning and you happen to have a let's say a book or shampoo eventually it's going to break either way in a sense and that's what basically happened you know, and it was really sad because even the president's like, oh, you're my boy, and I was right behind you all the time, and i got to tell you, man, <laughs> we really were right behind you. I'm going, really? You were shooting at me. Yes, but you, can't, exactly. you can't really ever say that because that's one thing, yeah. too, I tell people. It's like a divorce. So-and-so did this, and I say so-and-so did that, and I'm saying, okay, let's slow down. Let the horses run the race. Let's see where they're at a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. Because if they have that type of behavior, they're going to continue that behavior. And you can't believe everything you see or hear. So many years later, I'm still doing volunteer work. You know, uh, I moved a year ago, became a volunteer firefighter. I have my father's badge number that I carry, and I have my own badge. You know, and I'm still doing what I've been doing before. And I think that's the justice. As you know, that Julie Roberts said this perfectly, Connie. She was being interviewed, and they say, you're a speed, you're a serial dater. Okay, and your movies aren't really all that good. Some people say horrible things about you. What do you say to that? And she was like, <sighs> perplexed. And she smiled and she says, I know in my heart what is true. I yep. show up to work every day. I try to be a good sister, a good daughter. I try to be a good person. I make a lot of mistakes, but I am true of heart. And I said, Julia, bless you, my sister. Bless you. Yep. That's all you can hope for, and being you do your best, and you don't do it for the approval of others. Because I think psychologically, maybe I was trying to prove myself to the publisher or to the PR people or to the people that embezzled me. I mean, I don't know, but I've kind of taken. I'm slowing down a little bit, taking a step back, and you know, if it's going to happen, that's the one thing in business and love. And you know, we'll kind of. This is a good thing. The more you chase after it, the more it runs away. For sure. Even if you get it, it's never going to be exactly. What you really, 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 really wanted. But if you have an open heart and you do your own thing, imagine turning that corner. Oh, my God, there she is. 
yes. you fall in love. What if, exactly. you know, you're, you're walking out the door, the phone rings, hey, Joe, you want a job? We got a position for you. Oh, my gosh. To me, those are the blessings when you don't expect it. That's exactly right, but you have to be open for the opportunity. Yes. Um, before we go on, let's take another real quick break, and then we'll come up our, for our last 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so, um, and I just have uh, one or two more questions. Okay, so let's take a quick break. It's a shame when you're feeling stuck in your business and you feel like you have nowhere to turn. It's a shame when you slog through long days in your business and you don't get any return. It's a shame when you feel like you can't see the forest for the trees and your business brings you to your knees. Einstein said repeating the same actions over and over won't produce different results. So stop feeling ashamed. Your business and you deserve better. Change that shame into righteous fame. Connie Whitman can tame that shame. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates will help you to discover your new path and nothing will ever be the same. Connie's tried and true one-on-one coaching sessions will tame that shame so you and your business will not continue in vain. Call Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates today at 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Call Connie. Turn that shame into your game. Okay, we are back. Dave Pelzer and I have just another uh, 10 minutes or so of chatting. Uh, my other question, Dave, is when you went to uh, the military, I, I believe it was in Bethesda, and you went to visit some yeah. of the boys who came home, the sold young men, um, with debilitating um, you know, injuries. But the one young man, they, they saved for the last, he had massive facial in, injuries. And when you went in the room, I believe his, his wife and, and little baby were there, and I think his mom and dad were in the room. Yeah. And he was kind of sitting um, in the darkness, and you asked him literally to, to show his face to you and to see this boy who had no face. And you didn't respond. You didn't, you know, shy away. And how can you remain so kind but, but non, well, non-reaction? I, I, I'll never forget, and, and, and let's kind of backstory this, because I was going through a divorce, and I was going to flee. I was going to become the Wolverine, move to Alaska, move up north, grow the beard, throw away everything, every possession I had. Just shut it down because my campaign, my campaign, and after being embezzled and all the drama and everything, it led to a divorce. I mean, it was just terrible. And I thought and prayed about it. And that's the thing. I mean, that's a perfect segue because I was going to move and take care of the staff and just shut everything down. And then out of the blue, we got the call, hey, there is some suicides at an Air Force base. Can you help out? And I took care of that. And I thought, this is out of my comfort zone. I, I'm Robin Williams. I don't work with this. Right. And then we had the Bethesda thing. And I thought about it and prayed about it, and that was such a blessing for me because I'm thinking, oh, poor Dave, you've been embezzled yes. again. Poor Dave, you're going through yes. a divorce. Poor, poor me, 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 and me too. Yes. And then you see these injuries, and, and, and one guy said, dude, I, I lost my arm. I go, okay, let's go find it. You know, you do your little comedy yes. thing. You, you snap was- them out yes. of it. And this young boy, quick story on him. Uh, he lost his uh, buddy. They, they went to boot camp together and trained together, I think, on a Wednesday. Sergeant was their sergeant that was shot on a, uh, a Thursday, and this boy uh, was shot on a Saturday, and he was shot in the face. I'll never forget that he was shot in the face, and they were trying to uh, – they take them from AOR, Air Responsibility, Forward Operating Base, to Ramstein immediately, package them, on a medical C-17 and put him in either like Bethesda, Arlington, whatever. And so he was just new within like four days of being shot in the States, still in shock. He couldn't talk, so he would write. And, I, and, and he leaned on that, I remember, he kind of leaned forward. And a lot of people were going to shy away, and I, I acted like Dr. Dave. I lowered my glasses down to my nose and, mm-hmm, let's inspect this now. Uh-huh, looking good, looking good. And you can't shy away from that because it's a test. Sure. And, 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 you know, we, we talked a little, and his big thing was, why me? Why did I survive? And yes. you have to understand, I was on the road. I'd been in the hospital for eight hours, you know, 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there, and it's just so mentally draining. And I would do some comedy for some kids one-on-one or some advice about dating or something. And, yes. and I yes. had, I remember, i never forget this, I remember hugging this young man, and I had nothing to say. And I just prayed. I said, please use me as a vessel. Please don't let me screw up. 
And I remember, you know, after the hug, I told him, I said, son, I don't know why you survived, but I know you have a mission. Your mission is to raise your son. Your mission is to pay heed to your brothers that passed. You have a mission. So for today, just breathe. Just breathe in the love. Breathe in, you know, the resolve, and just, 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 just allow life to life to happen. And I'll, I'll never forget that. I, uh, I don't talk like that. I talk way too fast. I'm always on a comical roll when I'm with the kids because I'm a chief. Yes. My job's to make them feel good. My job is to give them. That's what I try to do, Connie. If you really look at me, I can make millions and billions of dollars doing other things. I'm sure, or I can be a good janitor. No one know my name. I don't care. I don't like the limelight. I like being left alone. When I go out, I get a dinner, I bring it to my hotel. I don't go to dance clubs. I don't do any of that crap because it's crap. I like to read. I like to sleep. I like to pray. Leave me the F alone. Mm -hmm. But I know that we all have certain gifts, Mm -hmm. and I've been given a chance of a gift. And And, my gift is to make people feel happy and give them something to to do. That that whole day was such a blessing for me. Yeah, at, at a time, and it's so funny that you say that, and that's why I'm, I've asked that question, because you were in just turmoil with work, with, with your, your wife, you know, the whole thing, and then you see, talk about putting it in perspective. Talk, talking about God knocking on your door. Holy moly. And, but, but with that said, you still had the presence to not react, which I give you I, so much credit. Oh, please. But how did, how did he respond to you when you said... Love him. I think lovingly, you know, because he was blinking, communicating, and he was writing little notes because he couldn't yeah. talk. I mean, he had yeah. tubes and so forth and, and whatever. And, and I think, you know, I, I, I see, that's part of my job, too, is I'm like this Dr. Patch Adams. I throw psychological advice and I plant the seed, but we have to see what happens, yeah. you know. But that's why I try to say, too, is you just do what you can for the now, yeah. Spread as much love and joy or hopefully good advice. And they got to run with it. It's like raising kids. You know, I, 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 and that's what I try to do. Everything that doesn't work for me, I try to turn around and say, well, let's look at that as a blessing. What did you learn yeah. from that experience? How can it make you a better person, a better father, a better firefighter, a better humanitarian? That one day changed my entire life because obviously I didn't grow a beard and become the Wolverine living in a cave. <laughs> no, you didn't. You know, I'm still out there, and, 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 you know, I'm still doing some comedy and still doing what I do. And, and that's what I say again. Give, let those horses run that race. That's the one thing about me is I'm not the best rider, and I'm obviously not the best speaker in the world, but I have a good heart. Yeah. And that is enough for me. I try my best. Because your audience, they're going to think, oh, my God, Dave, that child abuse guy. But once they listen to us, they're going to not. He's not about abuse. He's about this big picture. As you are. It's not about business and money and fame and fortune. It's about a different thing within it. Yeah. It's it's funny um, when I teach my classes, and I it's I say the same thing. We talk about, you know, when you present yourself or you're presenting to a client, you know, you have your tone of voice, you have the word choices, and you have your nonverbals, right, your body language. And, of course, body language speaks, and I tell them, your body speaks in volumes. You better know what it's saying, right? And then we, we come and really tone um, is 38%, 55% of yes. our communication is body language. Yes. 7% is words, and I use this in class, and I say, you know, I grew up in North Jersey and Newark in the city, all right, so I got a little toughness to me. And I said, I don't have the most beautiful vocabulary. I don't always pick the, the perfect word choices, but at the end, when you leave me, you feel my message. You yes. know what I mean. Resonate, and resonate, and resonate. Yes. And that's the one thing I tell people is like, uh, you know, think with common sense. Yeah. And, and speak, so with pure, if, speak with purity of heart. Because here's the thing, no one, no one, no one has the answers. I'm not talking all the answers. No one has 5% of the answers of life. No one. You have to go out there on the desert by yourself. You have to be on that boat in 1492 to sail that ocean blue. But you have to give yourself the permission to try to do something. And along that journey... You know, laugh. I remember cracking people up in Baghdad. I oh my! I was like Tony Stark in Iron Man. I had to contain myself. I was laughing so hard. You know, <laughs> say, man, we're taking we're taking the hits today, but tomorrow, man, it's uh, is it meatloaf night tomorrow? Let's let's call that in. Is it meatloaf tomorrow? I mean, something so ridiculous in the middle of a war zone, or trying to make these kids in Bethesda laugh, or sometimes too, I have to close the eyes that people who were dying, yeah. people who were dying. I'll give them like a little. 
tap on the, the the forehead to say, you know, rest, sister, you know, go go home. And then five minutes later, you know, you just, you know, try to do something, pick yourself up and go. But that's the thing of life. You've got to try. You, like, Frank Sinatra said it perfectly. Getting old is not for wimps. That is the truth. You've got to keep going. And, again, in my case, I think I survived for a reason. I'm not, you know, I fought the abuse thing for the longest time, Connie. I wanted to be Mr. America, Mr. Resilient. But God wanted me to keep me, you know, on helping kids and, and those who help children. And, you know, what? it took a while for me to say, yeah, I accept this mission. I accept this mission. Now that I fully accepted it, you know, I'm, I'm less stressed, more boundaries, and I'm more effective in my mission. Yeah, and and I think every day, every day, you have to say, okay, what did I learn? What makes me, or what did I experience? And what can I do today? That's why I like being a firefighter, because we go on calls, and sometimes I'll go back to the station, I'll talk to two or three people, say, okay, I think I made this mistake, and I saw you do this. And it's not analyzed. It's like, okay, I want to learn to be more effective. Hence, in relationships, personal relationships, you want to keep those lines of communication open, rather than let your ego, whatever, just shut that door. And that's right. why I look at the series of, of the books. I look at the third person, God, that guy is so screwed up, but at least he's got the guts to try. Yeah, and, and admit it and say, that didn't work, let me try this. Yeah. So I really, that, and, and really, really, we're, I can't believe we're out of time. I'm, I, I don't want you to hang up yet, but <laughs> I know you have things to do. Here's the thing. I, I want everybody to read all your books. But the, the, this book that just came out, uh, Too Close to Me, it just was so insightful of how to change, because you truly are, the, you know, the name of the show is Architect of Change. You truly are an architect of change your whole life. But to learn those pieces, implement them into your life and say, okay, that makes more sense, let me do that now, or that didn't work, let me shift this way and try that. But if there's no movement, that's when you get stuck, and I think that's dangerous. Yeah, that's death. That's death. And you know what? Even if it's not perfect, do something to make it better. But you have more power than you think. And you, my friends, are living proof of that, that when when everything was against you, that you still took the power to say, I will survive. That did, you know, let me try that, you know, right from... You're constantly changing camp. the equation. You're constantly kicking the can down the road. And it may not be the yes. result you want, but you're in a better position to be happy. That's exactly right. And And I think the other thing that has resonated is, I use the word respect, but love. If we aren't sharing love, then you're sharing anger. That's bad. That's bad. So I think we really do need to share that love. I do think that we have to be an architect of change in our own lives, whatever that means to anybody. Um, and I hope that everybody is walking away with just some thought of, I have to try try something different um, to improve. So I, I just... Thank you, Dave, for you know your personal stories. No, well, let me let me kind of jump in for a second, yes, and let me thank ahead, you, sure. Connie, for what you're doing. I mean, you're a very business uh, busy person. You know, all of us are busy, but thank you for your efforts to uh, you know embrace the ocean, in a sense, yeah. and, and 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 look get people to look at their lives and make them better. So thank you for your, your campaign. Yes, thank you so much. I do, and I do love um, the radio show because it's it's exactly that. If I can help one person, you feel um, gratitude. I feel gratitude that I'm able to have a voice to help people, and. I just truly encourage everyone to go out and uh, buy this book. And Catherine, uh, Dave's executive director, was so cute on Friday. Um, she emailed me. I don't even know if you know this, Dave, but as a special surprise, she found I found out last week that Too Close to Me is currently on promotion with Amazon.com for a dollar ninety-nine. Now I don't care how broke you are, really. A dollar ninety-nine. What a great price and what a great inspiring book. But it'll teach you a thing or two on how to approach um, your own life. So um, if you would like to speak with Dave directly, or really probably Catherine, right, intercept your question. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's good to have a Catherine, right? <laughs> we actually, her code name is M from the James Bond films. <laughs> I know. I love it. I just love it. She goes by Mrs. C. She's just, we have developed a really um, awesome, awesome connection via email. And I said, when you guys are on the East Coast, 
we really do have to try to, you know, just connect so I can, you know, shake your hand personally and give you a hug um, for being on. But to reach Dave or Mrs. C, um, you can reach Catherine at 760-321-0364. You can also email uh, Dave at info at davepelzer.com. That's D-A-V-E. P-E-L-Z-E-R, or, of course, go to his website, which has a just tremendous amount, amount of inspiring quotes and information, and it's a resource in itself, at www.davepelzer.com. Um, so, Dave, thank you so much again for uh, No, thank you, ma'am, and, and, and God us. bless you and your work. Back at you, brother. Um, you are, you've been listening to Archite- Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Have a great week, and please try to challenge yourself by choosing something small, nothing big, small, to work on in order to change into the new and improved version of yourself. Thanks again. Been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I-